draft zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver, nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome back, I should say. My name is Evan Brown. You can find me on Twitter at FFEvolution. It's just that easy. You can follow the show on Twitter at Dynasty Debates. I missed last week, unfortunately. A thousand apologies. I was on holiday with the fam in beautiful, sunny Dubai. Yes, you heard correctly, Dubai. Word to the wise, if you ever get a chance to go to Dubai, you should take it. It is amazing. Quite literally. It is what you want Vegas to be. Only better. Uh, I'll say no more. We're going to – we got so much to get through. So, again, apologies for missing last week. I had a dreadful week in fantasy, if that's any consolation. Possibly the worst week I've ever had in fantasy football. I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. Now – just to reiterate, because it is a fairly new show, this is only episode three. I know, hard to believe. Such a fantastic show, only three episodes in. The purpose of the show is to learn from all sorts of different amazing guests. So every week, trying my best to have some of the brightest and most interesting and unique minds in the fi- fantasy, dynasty, sphere, world, multiverse. And we're going to learn different ideas, thoughts, strategies. Because I think one of the best things you can do as a dynasty player, as a dynasty analyst, as someone who just enjoys dynasty fantasy football is to be open to learning from other people, open to learning from different perspectives and not just having take lock on certain players or certain ways of going about it. So with all that in mind, having said all that, I have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Kelly Singh. You can find her on Twitter at Kelly in Phoenix. She is a contributor on the blog, thecommishbrand.com. I've read a good few of articles of hers that, to be honest, I have to stop reading them because they make me really hungry, the ones that I did read. They have some amazing food recommendations, and she is just a joy uh, to interact with on Twitter. You should definitely follow her. She's very positive, very funny. And Kelly, thank you so much for taking time to stop by for episode three. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Evan. I'm really excited to be here. I've been looking forward to it since you asked. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am really excited because it's only episode three and you are the very first female guest, which I'm super excited about. I'm all for having amazing women in the dynasty world and the fantasy football world. And I want to be very much vocal about supporting and encouraging women in the industry. And you're one of the more interesting, fun, joyful, bubbly (laughs) (laughs) women in the fantasy football industry that I've gotten to know. So thank you again for for taking the time to, to hop on the show. That was just very glowing. I'm super humbled and um, really proud to represent 
represent ladies here on your show today. Um, like you said, I do write a lot about food, which is true. I do. <laughs> and I, uh, one of my favorite articles, though, people would have to go back to the summer. I wrote about your drafting style based on your Zodiac sign. And that one was really, really fun to write. So if anyone wants to check that one out, it's a great read. And I would love to somehow replicate that creativity again. Um, so keep your eyes open. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the things I really like about your style is that it is unique. It's something different. You wrote an article recently. Was it different types of desserts for every single NFL mm-hmm team <laughs> every every person who supports a different type of team and what kind of dessert could go with their with their um their sunday uh f- football watching so it's, it's just interesting it's different it's unique and i really like that because there can be a lot of noise and a lot of similar things going out there and you're certainly a unique individual um with that being said i think in our discussions you were saying you've been playing fantasy football for quite a while but you're fairly new to dynasty is that right Yes, that is correct. I've never played Dynasty until this year, and being with the guys at the Commish, um, we have a specific Dynasty brand, and so I'm playing on the Dynasty League. Really no idea what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, sometimes that's the best way with Dynasty is just to jump in, you know, just to – because I think it can be really – overwhelming for some people when they first think about it like oh man what like draft picks and you got to be in the same league for a year oh i don't know and they they just kind of freaks them out or they put it off or they feel like there's so much more they need to know honestly i think sometimes the best thing you can do is just jump in especially if it's with some friends or some people that you let you know care about know and you know that look you know you'll work through it if you make (laughs) mistakes or if you try and do things and it doesn't work out it's not gonna it's not going to piss anyone off too much. Um, but no, that's awesome. I think that, and again, one of the things that I, I really believe is that even if you're new to a format like Superflex or Dynasty or Best Ball, you can still bring something interesting and unique and you know that other people can learn from. So I'm certainly interested in picking your brains here, um, and we got a lot to talk about. We do have a really interesting, exciting show lined up. We have, oh, just to recap again from last week, Full disclosure, so Employee of the Week, even though I didn't have an episode, I did put up on Twitter my Employees of the Week. I was one for two, so not too bad. I'm five for six on the season, so I'm pretty happy with that. My Busmart Employee of the Week was Jack Doyle, tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. He ended up as tight end 40 with one reception for 10 yards, so I feel pretty confident he was a bust, and I'm pretty happy with that one. My employee of the week for Studs R Us was Darnell Mooney, and it went pretty badly. But it didn't go badly for Mooney. It went badly for the entire Bears team. So it was not good. I blame Nagy, but I have to take some responsibility. It was my call, and I missed on that one. So let's get straight into it. Spilling the tea. First piece of news CMC, CMC, Christian McCaffrey, everyone's 101 for redraft and probably for dynasty out with a hammy. Hopefully avoiding IR, Matt Rule came out and said he thinks that CMC should be back within the three weeks. So they're going to stop. They're not going to, they're not going to put him on IR at the moment. looks like it'll be Chuba Hubbard next man up. What are your thoughts on this, Kelly? How do you feel like this impacts you for this season, but especially for maybe dynasty? It is 
definitely a setback for sure. Um, but nothing I don't think that we can't handle for three weeks. Yeah, certainly. I mean, especially, you know, the fact that hamstrings, if you're rushed back from them, can be lingering and then you re-aggravate and you're out again. I remember that happened to Thielen a couple years ago. That was an absolute nightmare. So fingers crossed that does not happen. Are you if you if you are in a position where you've got McCaffrey, are you reaching out and trying to make a deal for Chuba? Just gonna write it out and look at other options. What are your what would your initial thoughts be on that situation? I'm personally just writing it out um, on the uh, team that I have McCaffrey. There's enough enough depth that I can come out balanced. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you in the sense that to me, when something like this happens, it's too late almost to make that trade because. The person who has Chip on their roster, they know the value, especially to you as the CMC manager. So they're going to want pretty much, the, you know, they're going to want your firstborn and your last month's rent. So it's not going to be worth it. So, yeah, I, I would agree. I'd probably say write it out. Hopefully you've got some other options to plug and play while you wait for a hopefully, fingers crossed, a speedy return. One upside, Evan, might be that say you have McCaffrey and maybe you do realize that the rest of your team isn't as productive as you would have liked it to be, you could potentially use McCaffrey um, as a trade option to boost up another area on your team. That's that's definitely something to think about because he's still going to be very desirable. You should still be able to sell pretty high, I would think. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point because – Absolutely, a lot of other managers might be seeing it as a quote-unquote buy-low opportunity. And as long as you're not panicking, but you're maybe open to the idea of trading him, because to me, I'm not overly worried, but I would say that potentially the reason that he's in this position is because of the workload that he is given. You know, he's getting such a massive workload that it's great for fantasy, but for him as a human, <laughs> for him as a person, right. I don't know how sustainable that is long term. So I'm not overly worried about him necessarily for this season. But if you're in Dynasty, obviously, and you're thinking about it, if you're not a clear over overall favorite, you know, a strong, strong contender this year, you might certainly look at, look, let me just ship CMC out, see what I can get for him to somebody who thinks they are a contender. Maybe they give you a couple of you know, a young running back, a young wide receiver, and a pick, something like that, you can mm -hmm. cash in and actually, you know, use it to your own benefit. So I agree with you there. Um, another piece of news, this is really sad. Um, KJ Hamler, promising young sophomore receiver, has a torn ACL and is out for the season. I don't know about you, but it just feels like so many injuries and I know it happens mm -hmm. every year, but my goodness, we're only going into week four. And how many people have had season-ending injuries? This is unbelievable. I mean, even <laughs> you look at what we thought was one of the strongest receiving cores in the NFL. And Judy's now out of commission for a good while, hopefully back later this season, but we don't know. You know, Sutton is just coming back from a major injury. And now Hamler's gone down to an ACL. So, Obviously, that's not ideal. Is there anybody specifically that jumps out to you as a benefactor of the Hamler injury? Anything that you're wanting to take away from this as a potential move for your dynasty squad? Probably Patrick, I would assume at this point with Judy still out. Yeah, no, certainly a next man up um, situation there for sure. And so we, we spoke about Fields a little bit earlier. This isn't an injury news situation, but it's just more something I wanted to touch on because I feel like it is 
an ongoing story that is incredibly frustrating for me personally and for many fantasy managers out there. Justin Fields finally got a start, which we'd all been crying out for since he was drafted, and it was an absolute unmitigated disaster. He was sacked nine times. Honestly, it was... It was horrible play calling. I mean, it was literally, I mean, there's there's quotes floating around from Garrett out of the Browns defense saying how shocked they were that Fields wasn't rolling out on bootlegs and being more mobile in the pocket. They were confused almost. They were like, surely they're not going to just mm-hmm. keep doing the same thing and making it this easy on us. There's been people, you know, very vocal on, you know, radio, television, just almost, I, I think just unashamedly calling for Nagy's job at this point, but Nagy's now come out and said, I've heard a quote saying that he's discussing all Bears quarterbacks are in the mix for potential week four starters. So Dalton Fields or even um, Nick, Nick Foles. It's just, it's such a mess and it's so frustrating. Honestly, Nagy, oh my goodness. I, I just, I can't even, he's, he's right there with Shanahan for me now. I'm so frustrated with him. He's such, he is so annoying with his decision making is so juvenile but what are you thinking about the situation with the bears even robinson (laughs) who is an absolute stud is like almost unstartable at this point it's so bad you almost can't start robinson you can't start mooney you don't want to start monty you can't start fields even if he does start i mean what are we doing here what what are we doing kelly talk some sense to me i think that was just not the fields that we expected to see. And it does come down to play calling for sure. There's no I advice in that, is there? Just, no, just commiseration. Just commiseration <laughs> for the fellow wounded and miserable. I, I think the one, I guess the one silver lining that I could maybe point to or straw that I could grasp at would be potentially an unlooked for buy low window on fields, you know, we cannot judge anything really about him as a player on that one start, but much as we, you know, see it every year, there are managers that panic. They see something like that and they think, Oh my gosh, feels as terrible. Or, you know, he's not even going to be the starter and they just panic and they'll sell him to you for, you know, whatever, a second round pick or something crazy. So yeah, I would definitely, I mean, in dynasty, especially any sort of super flex, anything like that, I would go and kick the tires and just see if, you know, how panicked the the manager is at the moment. But yeah, it's just frustrating and you just got to bide your time for now. Don't do anything. If you do have feels, you know, don't do anything stupid with it. (laughs) Don't do anything stupid. Um, Don't panic. Dan Arnold, the, the tight end who cannot find a home is being shipped off for his sins to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it was going to be fun to say Darnold to Arnold all year long, but <laughs> sadly that's not going to be happening. So he's getting traded from the Carolina Panthers to the Jacksonville Jaguars in exchange for the cornerback CJ Henderson. And I believe there's some pick swaps as well going on. Do you have any interest in Dan Arnold um, moving to Jacksonville? Are you interested at all in any sort of tight end premium format? Does it do anything for you at all? I love tight end premium formats. There's just not a whole lot to pick from. And I don't see Dan Arnold as even being one of those that I'd be interested in. I feel bad for him. I hate when they can't find a home that fits them because that's where my heart kind of bleeds. (laughs) But (laughs) no, he's not on my radar. (laughs) They know he doesn't have a a home here either. (laughs) No home with me either. (laughs) 
I would say if you are in a sort of tight end premium um, and, and you know, as somebody for a stash, I would certainly be interested in Tommy Tremble for Carolina. I think he he flashed a little bit last week and I heard some interesting rumors or, or quotes from Matt Rule saying he thought that Tommy Tremble was going to be this year's Jeremy Chin for them. So the rookie that comes in and has an impact straight away and has a bigger role than we thought they might have. So certainly somebody to stash, but again, a rookie tight end, I wouldn't be expecting a weekly starter from them. Rounding out the news section here, it's something that happened sort of while I was away, but Tua has officially gone on IR. Hopefully it's just short term. They they believe that he will potentially be back within three weeks or so. Jacoby Brissett stepped in and, you know, actually played pretty well at the weekends. Better than I thought, anyways. We'll say that. Better than I thought he would. Um, but obviously the assumption is still Tua will be the the starter as soon as he gets back. I think that's all the news. Employee of the week. Five out of six so far, humble brag, um, for my employees of the week. And Kelly in Phoenix, she runs two of the finest establishments in the U.S. of A. She runs Bossmart, and across town, she runs Studs R Us. So as the, as the guest, um, if you're listening for the first time, congratulations. Well done, you, for picking such a great first episode. Potentially the best episode yet, I must <laughs> say. Um and Busmart is a is a player that you are either probably starting or at least you're strongly considering starting. But unfortunately, we have gazed into the crystal ball and we can tell you that this player is most likely not going to do great things for you. They are probably going to get you at max 10 to 12 points in a PPR setting, which is not going to really bring home the bacon. So without further ado, Kelly, tell me who is your Bust Mart employee of the week, week four? My Bust Mart employee of the week, week four, is Kenyon Drake. I feel like a lot of people, including myself, thought Kenyon Drake was going to split a lot of the share of time, but it's actually more than that. This is a full-on committee from Derek Carr. He's utilizing every weapon in his arsenal, um, which leaves Kenyon Drake at a huge disadvantage, um, and I don't see that improving. So thumbs down, went went. Sorry, Kenyon Drake. Yeah, that really, really breaks my heart. I must say, I I always have really liked Kenyon Drake. I've always been like mm-hmm. a real Kenyon Drake truther. I was really high on him last year when he was going to be, you know, leading like the, the Arizona backfield, and that didn't turn out too well. And then when he went to the Raiders, I was still fairly hopeful because I was like, you know what, he's going to get a lot of pass catching work, and you know, I think he can take some of the goal line work away from Jacobs. And what happens? Jacobs goes down, and the most Gruden move of all. He brings Peyton Barber in off the freaking street and gives him the lion's share of the work, paying 10, 11 million or whatever ridiculous fee it is to Kenyon Drake to sit there and catch four or five passes a game. So it is frustrating to say the least, but I agree with you. I think that's a good shout for my Boss Mart employee of the week. I am going to the New England backfield and taking one Damian Harris by name who has. A pretty tough matchup this week. They, I believe, most likely will be in a negative game script. If you don't know, if you haven't been paying attention, T. 
TB12 is coming to town looking to take the record for most passing yardage all time. And to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if he just absolutely blows the doors off the Patriots. Um, They are playing great. I know they lost this last week, but Tom looks like he's 24, not 44. Going back to Harris, last week they, they were in a rough situation. They were in a pretty negative game script. They ended up losing the game. I mean, he only had two targets and six rushing attempts last week. And this is with James White having gone down to injury. So it's not even like, oh, he didn't have opportunity or anything like that. And the icing on the cake for me is Tampa Bay's defense is ranked fourth in rushing yards allowed per game at 63.7. So if he's not going to be getting the targets, potentially not even staying in on third downs and things like that, because apparently his pass protection is struggling. And all he's going to be doing is rushing against one of the best rush defenses in the NFL and potentially a negative game script. I'm not excited to be plugging him into my lineups. If I can avoid it at any cost, I will I would be very surprised if he's getting me more than 10 or 12 points this week. We've talked about the negative. We've talked about the down. We've been, you know, the bears are bad news. Let's flip the script. Let's go across town. Let's step into that shiny new Studs R Us store that you've been telling me so much about, Kelly. And this is, I, I am very excited for this, folks. You're not going to believe this. I am. I was blown away. My mouth was hanging open. It took me a good 30 seconds to catch my breath after she told me who is her Studs R Us nominee for the week four I, i'm just i'm blown away go, go without further ado kelly take <laughs> it away tell me who is the studs are us nominee studs are us is proud to nominate kyle Juszczyk. hoping i'm saying that right as our player of the week because of his performance last week number one obviously but we can't just all jump on the train because of one week's performance we have to look at other things right the injuries to San Francisco's running backs only improve his chances to have another fantastic week ahead. And then he is competing with Sermon, sharing that time, obviously. Sermon being a rookie. I feel like even looking back at last week's game, it shows that they're not quite ready to put all of their trust into Sermons. And let me just say, I did read this. He received 15 Uh, snaps in the slot Najee Harris leading with 18 so I feel like this is a very strong contender so there's method to the madness folks there's method to the madness and to be fair he did have a really good week last week um he ended up with 15.1 points in a PPR setting he was actually the RB 22 so not as crazy as it sounds. I was blown away by it. It is super bold. I'm super excited to see if it pays off. So studs are us, just as a recap. A player that you might have been considering for your flex, possibly, but we boldly declare they will most likely finish as a top 24 option at their position or top 12 in the tight end. Let's be honest. I could probably finish you know, tight end 18 myself. So <laughs> we're going to go top 12 for tight ends. Top 24 for wide receiver running back. So you heard it here first. Kyle Juszczyk is going to be top 24 running back again this weekend. And let's be honest, that would be the most Kyle Shanahan thing ever is for us to be excited about Sermon or excited about Elijah Mitchell or excited about Trey Lance. And Kyle freaking Juszczyk gets like three touchdowns on two attempts and one target. Something ridiculous. So I'm excited. I can't wait to see this happen. Um, Mine isn't quite as bold, quite as exciting, but I had to come up with one. And my nominee for Studs Are Us this week is Tim Patrick. 
so we discussed uh, we discussed that earlier about Hamler going down, the season-ending injury. Currently, Tim Patrick is wide receiver forty-three on Fantasy Pros uh, expert consensus ranking for the week. Now, Hamler was receiving twenty-three percent of his team's air yards, and last week Hamler goes down. Patrick had over 42% of the team's air, yard, air yards in week th- three, which is 13th highest in the whole league. He was wide receiver 43 in week two. He was then wide receiver 25 last week. So we can see more usage. We can see more targets. We can see more of a role in the offense now that Hamler is gone. I think possibly people might be a little bit scared by the matchup. Baltimore, if you dig into it a little bit, Again, it's early, but all we have to go on is what's happened so far this season. Baltimore defense is 24th in yards allowed per game, 30th in passing yards allowed. So we combine that with the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is playing out of his mind so far this season. So hats off to him. I honestly thought Drew Locke would beat him out for the job. Fair play to Teddy. He's playing much better than I give him credit for, but he is currently eighth for average intended air yards and fifth highest QB rating on the season. So for me, you look at how well Teddy's playing, you look at the defense that they're going up against, you look at the opportunities and you look at how well Patrick has been playing. And that is my nomination for studs are us. The main event. Fight! When I asked Kelly what she would like to discuss this week on Dynasty Debates, she brought up a really interesting topic that I'm excited to dive into a bit with her. The idea, the concept was basically potentially fading running backs a little bit in your startup drafts. Which, I mean, I know, let's let's be honest, sounds crazy. You say it and you think, why, why would I do that? Um, just like you'd say, well, why would I say Kyle Juszczyk is my employee of the week at Studs R Us? But as we've seen, there's method to the madness. So without any you know, further fanfare, Kelly, talk to me. What are your thoughts on fading, potentially fading running backs in startups? I mean, I don't know if there's any necessarily method to my madness here other than I just have questions. Do we choose running backs as our first picks always because that's how it's always been done? Do we ever sit back as a community and just think, you know what, let's try something new? (laughs) I don't see anything wrong with looking at the points that other roles are bringing into your teams that running backs just may not be able to do in this year. Why not have the top wide receivers, the top tight ends? And then when you start looking at running backs, there are still going to be some to choose from in the solid 10 to 12 point range. So I don't see anything wrong with that as long as you're balancing it out with some really high scoring uh, other positions. I definitely agree with you in that it feels like it's just like bred into our psyche to go running back early when we go into a draft. I mean, unless it's a super flex, in which case I think a lot of people go quarterback <clears throat> in the first round or two. But if you're t- talking about a traditional you know, one QB. I just, out of curiosity, when you said that, I pulled up some ADP from Sleeper for Dynasty League started right around the start of the season, end of August, start of September. And I, looking at it there, yeah, it looks to me like in the first two rounds, you're talking at least probably about 13 running backs. So yeah, one full round of the first two is running backs and even going into part of the second round. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly see what you're saying. It's one thing that I definitely have learned or I feel that I've learned in my time playing Dynasty is 
probably to your point, not getting locked into one specific strategy beforehand. You sort of have to let the board come to you, especially if you're going to be drafting maybe eighth or ninth or 10th or 12th, you know, because if you're going to be like, I must go running back, running back, and you're drafting 12th and 13th, you're sort of getting the dregs of the upper tiers of running backs whilst also passing up on the best wide receivers, the best tight ends. So especially looking at your scoring, looking at how many flex options you have in that league, um, and especially if it's any sort of tight end premium, you know, I think that certainly goes to your point of not necessarily just having locked in on we're going to go running back, running back. Another thing, I mean, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on this. We've seen a lot of running backs go down with injury, and – I guess one of my thoughts, you know, when I'm thinking about constructing a dynasty roster, I'm wanting to think about how am I going to set myself up, not just to compete for this year, but how am I going to set myself up for the next couple of years? So if you're taking that creme de la creme running back, potentially it could be a running back is already in their third or fourth or fifth season. And if they go down with an injury, all of a sudden your premier sort of first round, second round asset has greatly diminished in value. I mean, if you think about it last year, this time there was probably people still taking you know in the second third or fourth rounds Kenyon drakes um players like that 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 were in a position that looked good on paper but they'd already been in the the league for three four five years they're not spring chickens anymore and now they either get an injury they underperform and that that asset that you invested in so much now it's not worth as much and that's a that's a very tough situation for a dynasty team so i just think going i'm not necessarily brave enough to be zero rb in drafts evan it's just i feel like if you have the opportunity to get a tight end to get a wide receiver that's going to really pull it off for you why not and there are like 30 wide receivers that i think are really worthwhile when you look at running backs right now there might only be like 10, 15 that are performing. It, it makes it tough. One thing I really like about Dynasty is if you're playing redraft this year and you maybe drafted poorly or especially like say just one position, you kind of screwed up at running back and you realize, okay, I'm 0-3, 0-4, 0-5 or 1-4 or something like that. You're sort of like, well, pff, season's over. It's done. I guess I'll look at next year, you know, and you kind of lose interest, you know, you're not as involved or invested or anything. Whereas the cool thing about dynasty, one thing that, you know, Rich always says with dynasty nerds is he's like, even when you're losing, you're winning. What that means is because you're going to have the rookie draft next year, if you're losing, um, you're still going to, you're going to get a higher draft pick. So that means say your wide receivers are locked and loaded, your tight end is good, your quarterback's solid, but your running backs are horrible, and you just have bad luck, and you're losing to the highest score every week, something like that, and you finish with like like second or third bottom in the league, well, that means come come rookie draft time, you're the 103. You know, you can get one of those best players, especially like you said, if you've been hoarding those draft picks through the startup, you're going to be looking, you're going to be sitting pretty coming coming into rookie draft season because not only that, but also the rookie draft fever. So even the best dynasty managers, it's a long off season. They get bored. They get excited about the shiny new toys. And if you can say that, you know what, I'll just give you these two firsts. You just, you know, you just give me Saquon Barkley or whoever it is. A lot of times you'll find you'll get deals like that done when you have the draft capital. So something to keep in mind, and it is a really fun, fascinating side of dynasty that means 
even if you're having a bad season, you can still be thinking about the future and still making moves that are going to set you up to compete for next year. Let's make a deal. Sold your ways. We're going to discuss two trades. I've brought a trade that I've done recently. We'll talk about it, break it down. And the wonderful Kelly has brought a trade that she's done in her Dynasty League that we're going to talk about as well. My trade, I recently, last week, traded away Tyler Boyd, Gus Edwards, and KJ Osborne for T. Higgins. Now, this is a 12-team, 1QB league. I'm a strong contender. I made it to the championship game last year and lost in the championship game. So I've made a couple of moves in the offseason, strengthened the squad a little bit, got a little bit more depth at running back, a couple of players missing last year through injury, Dak Prescott, etc. So I feel like I'm a really strong contender. And my reasonings, my thought process behind this trade, I find is once you've made, you know, you've had a team maybe for a couple of years, you've done a couple of trades, you've wheeled and dealed your way to the top. Have a really strong team, but it's an aging team. And the problem is, if you just hold on to that and hold on to that, there comes a stage where it starts falling off the cliff. Players stop performing as well, they get injured more frequently, etc. And it can be a really tough situation to continue to contend, but still start getting younger. For what I was doing, I mean, for me, I really like Tyler Boyd. I think he's a really solid wide receiver, and I think he will still be very valuable going forward in the wide receiver core that the Bengals have put together. I think that the Bengals are going to have a really high-powered offense with Joe Burrow at the helm, especially as he gets more and more removed from that knee injury, gets more and more confident. I do think T. Higgins is the better receiver. I think he's um, a better athlete. I think he's going to be the 1B to Chase's 1A. I think Chase and Burrow have an amazing connection, mind meld, and it's going to be elite but i could very easily see t higgins and chase being top 12 or top 15 sort of options every year um you know as long as they're healthy and for me i've traded away for a receiver in my mind for a better receiver i've traded away gus edwards who is on the ir who's going to be no use to me this year whatsoever and in my opinion is never going to be more than just like a flex consideration because even if he comes back next year, you've still got the situation with J.K. Dobbins. You've still got a running back by committee. You've still got Lamar Jackson. So I I don't see him as an elite asset or anything like that. And then you've got K.J. Osborne who quite literally picked up for free off the waiver wire and he's the third option on a run first team. I got better as a squad i feel like higgins ceiling is higher and ultimately i got younger as well which is really important so i mean higgins is literally only in his second year um and so i'm continuing to contend while trying to get my squad a bit younger and give me a longer time to continue to contend but those are the reasonings for the trade what are your thoughts kelly do you like the trade do you hate the trade what are your thoughts on the trade i think you make some really really good points um although tyler boyd is kind of a staple there um so that could be down the one downside to that trade is he could really have a boom and and do well but i get exactly what you're saying about gus t higgins is a great acquisition i actually have somebody trying to trade me for my share of T Higgins on another team. So I'm going to be <laughs> examining this and seeing how maybe I could 
that come away on the winning side. So this is a great trade to hear about. Let's talk about your trade, a very interesting trade. Um, so talk me through what trade did you do? What was the league format, et cetera? Probably going to get raked over the colds for this, but that's okay because I'm going to share <laughs> the reasoning. This is a 12-team super flex. Did spend time trying to build quarterbacks, tight ends. Um, what I did do in this draft was trade a lot of my away for next year's picks, thinking that was going to be my strategy and not necessarily thinking what I'd be missing out on being new to Dynasty. So while I do have a hoard of second second round picks for next year, I missed out on running back. All that to say, <laughs> I traded my 2023 first for Tyson Williams on the Ravens. A great week. He's young. I thought, why not? Then... I thought if I needed to get that 2023 pick back, I have enough leverage that I could do that. I really desperately need to fill this running back position. And it looked like Williams is just going to go off. Even if he didn't play for the Ravens, he was going to play somewhere. That's where I pinned my hopes. He's going to play somewhere. He's young. He's doing great. Um, so that's a lot of rambling, but that was the whole point. He's young. He was doing great. I have the picks and the leverage to make up for this down the road should I need to. And then last week did nothing for me. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> oh, that's the worst feeling, isn't it? When you do a trade and then like the next week they either get injured or like they just fall on their face and you're like, what was I thinking? So yeah, no, I think there's a this lot. This happened Sorry, I was just going to tell you, this happened um, right after week one. And so week two was great. I'm like, good, I feel fine about this. And then last week, I was just like, oh, no, that must have just been a fluke, I guess. Maybe, hopefully not. Well, I think, you know, it's really interesting. I, I love that, you know, you shared this because I think there's a lot we can talk about real quick and kind of break into. I'll be honest, like I wouldn't have done the trade myself. Um, for a couple of reasons, but I understand why you did the trade. And I think what's good is that with Dynasty, you have to be strategical in your thinking. You have to be thinking two and three steps ahead. And it's important not to do knee-jerk trades and knee-jerk reactions because they'll really get you in a hole. Now, I think potentially it was a slightly knee-jerk reactionary trade to go, oh, shoot, I need a running back. Here's a 23 first because of the fact that Tyson Williams is an undrafted free agent. Um, you know, he's really in a situation just because of injuries ahead of him on the depth chart, things like that. So that's the reasons why I wouldn't have done the trade. But what I like about what you said is you did think about, you're like, well, I've got a lot of draft capital in 22. I can potentially be get. So, I mean, that's the thing is you, the, the main thing you can do in Dynasty is when you make a bad deal or you make something that you don't like, you just learn from it and you say, okay, there's no use crying over spilt milk. There's no use freaking out and just being like, oh, no, I've ruined everything, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you didn't ruin everything. I mean, there's people. And the crazy <laughs> thing is, the crazy thing is, what I've seen so many times in Dynasty is a trade goes down, 
people are just up in arms over how ridiculous or how unfair it is and blah, 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 blah. And then a year later, you revisit it and you're like, wow, that was a terrible trade. Why did I do that? <laughs> you know, at the time, everybody was angry or annoyed at you because they said you just, you know, fleeced the other person. You can't believe that, you know, you did this or did that. And now it's like a year later, you're like, well, I was dumb. I would never, have, I would never do that again. <laughs> you know, if I knew now what, you know, if I knew now what I knew then, then I would never do that trade. So, you don't know. You never know. Like what I really appreciate is that you share it as almost like a learning process. You're like, hey, I did this. I'm not sure I agree with it now. But I think that's really good because I think people in general can learn from that a lot because I think a lot of what happens, especially on Twitter and fantasy Twitter, is people are just really worried about winning the trade, quote unquote, or mm -hmm. looking good on the trade or whatever. And the truth is, like I say, half the time you won't know till six months later or a year down the line if it was a good trade yeah. or a bad trade and ultimately it's not about just winning a trade on paper it's about winning championships so if if tyson williams ends up being a valuable asset to you this year and getting you to the playoffs and you win the championship not just because of him but he helps you do that then it's a worthwhile trade you know that's why i like to talk about my thought process. So I share the trade. I break down why I thought it was a good idea, what I wanted to do with it, what my objectives were in it. And that's what I liked about what you shared is you talked about why you did it, what your thoughts were, and what you were hoping to achieve out of it, even though you might now feel differently about it. So it's really awesome and refreshing to hear people just be honest and just say, yeah, you know, I tried this, didn't work, but you know, here's how I'll fix that mistake. You know, here's how I'll do something different. Right. And you know, get it sorted for next time. It made sense in my head, especially since it was a 23 pick and I'm still kind of hoping maybe it will pan out. And that's the thing. Like I said, don't be afraid of, you know, just learn from it. If you feel like it was a bad trade now, learn from why was it a bad trade? What are the thought processes I could do differently? Things that I always do. For example, I have one or two trade calculators that I can kind of punch some numbers in if I want to, just to give myself a a calibration a little bit and say, does this seem fair? Does this seem reasonable? And you can kind of get that as a starting level. But then another thing, you know, that I think is a really helpful tool, especially for people who are newer is find one or two or three people that, you know, know their stuff, you know, and they're not involved in the trade. They're not going to like, it's not like your trade partner. You're like, well, do you think this is fair? Because like, obviously they could just be like, yeah, it's great. Um, but find somebody that, you know, that you trust and say, Hey, Listen to this. And, and to be honest, people do this all the time. I mean, oh, I, I think do. People, yeah, I think people have this idea that, like, if you know what you're talking about in Dynasty, then you don't need to ask for help. And, like, that's stupid. Like, if people say they don't ever ask about trades and they're lying, you know, like I do it all the time, I'll be like, you know, I trade all the time. I trade, I probably trade every week and across my Dynasty leagues. I love trading. It's one of my favorite parts of the game, but I certainly bounce trades off people that I trust. I'll be like, hey, what do you think about this? Do you think I'm selling too low on this person? Do you think I'm giving up too much? You know, do you think this is a good balance? And I don't always go with their opinions, but sometimes when you're on the fence and, you know, you're sort of leaning one way or the other because you might have a bias towards a certain player or a certain situation, it really helps to get someone else's opinion who's not involved and they just say, man, if that was my roster, I'd be super happy about that. Or actually, you know, no, that sounds crazy. Like, what are you talking about? You know? So right. definitely find some people you trust, bounce it off them, look at a trade calculator, a couple of things like that. And just learn from, like you said, learn from your mistakes as well as your successes. Word of the week. Are you ready to speak like a local lass from Belfast? <laughs> I will do my very best. 
Okay. Whilst we do speak English here, we do have our own ways of using the language, abusing the language, some might say, um, and is quite different. So what I do every week is I'll teach one word of slang that we would use, try and put it in context for you, get you to use it and see if you can use it. This week's word is faffing. Now, technically it's faffing with a G at the end, but we have a tendency to drop the G. We don't really pronounce Gs at the end of our words um, the way that you guys might. So we wouldn't say driving. We would just say driving. So it's faffing technically, but we would just say faffing. And what it means okay. is to faff or to, to be faffing around is you're sort of wasting time. You're doing stuff without actually doing stuff. So for example, I'll, I'll use it in a sentence. Say we have a very important appointment to get to and I say, right, let's go. We need to go now. Five minutes passes and you're still looking for your shoes and asking where you put your keys and you're fixing your Sound hair. Sound like me. At that stage, at that stage, I would say, right, Kelly, quit faffing around. We need to go. Does that make sense? So yep. stop messing about, stop wasting time, stop taking 20 minutes to do something that should take you five minutes. Stop faffing. You see if you can use it in a sentence and I will give you a grade on how well you've done. But one can faff, right? Yeah. They yeah. Can. So like, oh, I'm just going to faff around here um, right. for a bit and then I'll, I'll, I'll join you. Because my favorite thing to do on the weekend, I, I actually work pretty hard during the week. I'm very plugged into my computer. My brain's constantly going. The weekend hits, and I'm ready to straight up faff. Can we do that? Is that a thing? Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> I don't it's think unique. that's how it works. But yeah, I mean, I you feel... could do that. You could say, like, oh, what were you doing? What were you doing this morning? Oh, I was just faffing about. Just like, faffing about? Yeah. I wasn't, I just just faffing I wasn't doing anything like that is a pretty good usage yeah I mean because it is literally what you're saying you're saying you're basically wasting time you're not really accomplishing anything you know you're like oh my gosh uh, I know. love that it's my so favorite say, thing to do you nailed it big proponent of faffing around <laughs> excellent so you have to use it this week i'll make sure and tag you on twitter and say hey what have you been up to you've been faffing about thank you again really appreciate you stopping by and don't forget to check out kelly's work um over at the commish is it the commishbrand.com is that right yeah the website is the commishbrand.com but yeah definitely check out kelly's work hit her up on twitter at kelly in phoenix she is definitely a great follow super cheerful and positive and we will post a poll on twitter as usual this week to see if kelly has convinced you to fade running backs next time you do a startup kelly is there any final thoughts any anything you want to plug before we finish or before we wrap up as far as the poll i would just like people to think outside the box a little bit there are points to be had and they don't have to be had with a running back exactly couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. So thanks so much for joining us, guys and gals. Appreciate you, Kelly. Thank you for stopping by. Good luck, everybody, this weekend. Hopefully you all get those dubs, unless you're playing me, of course, in which case I hope you lose. Um, and don't forget to set your lineups. Don't faff about. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be 
Linda, just let me be frank. Those Arby's on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate.